are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you have something in store for each person here. I thank you that, God, you want to meet with us. I thank you that as we we choose to engage with you, as we choose to open our hearts and our minds to you and what you'd say to us, that, God, you have so much in store. So I thank you for Adam and his willingness to steward your word and listen to your spirit and speak and take time. So, Father, I just pray that there be a blessing on him and his family and his church and his ministry. And that, God, as he speaks tonight, that we would hear and we would receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. It works. Amen. Amen. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a friend of resurgence. I, I, I love what you guys are doing here. Uh, this is my third time coming, coming to speak for you guys, and I absolutely love it. And, and, and I no longer feel like a visitor. It's like coming home. It, it's fabulous. Um, went to school with Travis. Travis and I are homies. He sent me, sent me an email and said, bro, I need you to speak. I'm going to Burundi. <laughs> I need somebody I trust in there. You got this? I'm like, I got this. And he sent me a text today or an email. Adam, you got this? I'm like, I got this. And so, so, so I, hope, I hope I don't screw this up. <laughs> and so we'll, we will trust the Lord together. Um, I, I am so thankful to be here. I, I work at uh, West Edmonton Christian Assembly. We just uh, put a church, serv- a church chapel in, in West Edmonton Mall. And uh, we, we stood on the shoulders of the Marketplace Chapel. They made it possible for us to do it. And, and uh, we went in, in, in their old space, renovated. We just had our first church services in there uh, on Sunday. It was really exciting because it, it was powerful to be standing um, by the lake, by the pirate ship, and hearing worship music louder than... Kesha <laughs> that was playing <laughs> in the mall. <laughs> like it was a pretty powerful moment. And uh, it's exciting. And so if you're ever at the mall, come pray for us or come, come on and grab a cup of coffee. But, but think about how many people go through that place. There's 32 million people go through those doors every year. Um, it literally, the, it's the mission field coming to Edmonton. And uh, it's really exciting. And so, so I thank you for your prayers. Uh, my family says hi. Uh, Shandy, she loves resurgence. Oh my gosh, she, she wishes she could be here. We have four kids. Um, so we got lots of them, and uh, and uh, they're they're not here; they're sleeping. And uh, I was just I'm just coming from our Alpha retreat. Uh, we had an Alpha retreat in uh, Alberta Beach, and uh, just literally came from there to here, and uh, excited to see what God is doing. We had our first. Um, um, just bizarre, the, the crowd that God is bringing um, to, to the Lord through, through Alpha. Uh, we have a, a homeless couple who gets a person, a family in our church, picks them up from the Hope Mission, drives them to Weka. They go to Alpha and paid for their way to come to the Alpha Retreat. They're, they're at the Alpha Retreat right now. It's powerful. And then sitting at this table eating supper with her today, and she's looking at me saying, I just, I've never felt such a warm, well, no one's ever treated me like this. I'm like, Lady, it's Jesus. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And it's such an exciting thing. We have our first uh, same-sex couple um, taking Alpha and uh, walking through that, the, the messiness of that uh, with them and, and just loving watching God grab a hold of their hearts. It, it's, it's a very cool thing. And uh, God is doing some great stuff, not just at Weka, but in this city. I love this city. I love what God is doing. I love that God is real. Like God's not just some abstract thought or philosophy or 
or worldview or religion. Like Christianity is about a relationship with God. And we get to be a part of that. And it's an exciting thing. But one of the things I've come to, to recognize in life is that sometimes life sucks. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that Christianity doesn't apply anymore. And as I was preparing for tonight, I had a very different sermon ready because I knew I was speaking a lot this weekend, so I prepared everything in advance. And this morning, as I was going through my notes for tonight, God's like, no, no, Adam, that's not what my people need to hear today. And so we've got a plan B today, and I'm quite excited about it. Um, God, God's got a good thing in store here. But my question for you is this. It's, uh, what do you do when you feel alone? Uh, what, do you, what, what do you do when you feel as though God is a million miles away? Like, it's, it's, it's easy, it's, it's pretty easy to be a Christian when you're, when you're up here. It's easy to be a Christian when the, when the lights are on you. Um, it's easy to be a Christian in this space. It's easy to be a Christian when you're around a bunch of other Christians. It's, e- it's really easy to be a Christian at Resurgence. You don't even have to be a Christian. The fact that you're in here kind of looks like you're a Christian. So we just assume you're a Christian. It's that easy to pretend to be a Christian in this space. But how do you be a Christian when, when everything falls apart? How do you be a Christian when your spouse gets diagnosed with cancer? How do you be a Christian when a loved one passes away? How do you be a Christian when you lose your job? How do you be a Christian when everything falls apart? How do you be a Christian, not just up here, but how do you be a Christian in, in reality? And so I'm going to speak from down here today. And how do you be a Christian in this world? Because we often idolize, we glamorize this kind of Christianity. But this isn't real. This, this, this isn't everyday life. This is an experience. We come to Resurgence, and I love it, and I love that we can come and gather together, but this isn't what our Monday mornings look like. Our Monday mornings look very different. And my question for us tonight is, well, what do you do when you feel alone? And I feel as though perhaps maybe that's you today. Or if maybe you're lucky and it's not you, and you're actually feeling like you're doing pretty good spiritually, and God's feeling really close, and you're like, hey, this is fabulous. At some point, you're going to feel alone. At some point, you are going to step into the wilderness, at some, time, at some point, it is going to feel as though God is a million miles away. And what do you do in that season? And that's why I believe I came here tonight, is to encourage you with that. So I want to look at scripture today. Uh, I can make you laugh. I might be able to make you cry, but I can't change your life. It's only God who can do that. Uh, the only power I'm going to bring um, tonight is, is found in this book. And, uh, and so I invite you to read along with me. I'm, I'm stealing all my notes from the Bible. <laughs> and so, so we're laughing. We're laughing. Everything I'm giving you is secondhand. It all comes from Jesus. Here it comes. And, and so let's load Matthew together. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. It's, it's very fascinating. It's the story of when, when Jesus goes into the wilderness. And he gets sent to the wilderness. And that's an interesting thought, because we don't like to think about it in that light. Like, we know that Jesus went to the wilderness, we know that he was tempted in the wilderness, but we never really think about the fact that it was God who sent him to the wilderness. And that might mess with your theology a little bit. But but it's God who sent him there. If we look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And a voice from heaven said... This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And this, this is the, this voice from heaven. This is God talking about Jesus. And, and, and it's, it's a very obvious moment that God is pleased with Jesus. Everybody in there would totally agree. What's fascinating is the next verse. That same day. The next thing that takes place is it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. What? That's not how God works, is it? 
Like one minute, God could be saying, this is my son, and him I am well pleased, and the next minute, I'm in the wilderness? What? If you're taking notes, I want you to take notes almost for, if you're not in that season now, I want your notes to apply for when you are in that season later. So I want you to, all, my, all your notes, I want you to start with dear self. This is what I want you to write down. Dear self, don't confuse the wilderness with punishment. Because oftentimes we do that. And bad things happen and our first default answer is, God, why do you hate me? Or God, where are you? Or God, do you even care? Like, do you even care? Do you see what I'm going through? And we, we, we cry these prayers to God as if we're educating him on something he's unaware of. Do you know what I am facing? I created the heavens and the earth. Yes, I know exactly what you're facing. But I wanted you to write that down. Dear self, don't confuse wilderness with punishment. Because you see, good things can happen in the wilderness. You know, it's fascinating if you back up to Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. Do you know what it says? It says this. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent for your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet of Isaiah was speaking about John. When he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Good things happen, can happen in the wilderness. I, I'm a huge advocate of the quote, there are dark places in this world because Christians are too afraid to go there. You can tweet that, you can Instagram that, you can get that tattooed right on your chest. There are dark places in this world because Christians are too afraid to go there. There, there are wildernesses, wilderness spots in this world. And it's funny because our default is, God, you've abandoned me. But what if the very place where you're supposed to be is the place you're praying for God to remove you from? You see, not everything bad happens in the wilderness. Not, like, good things can happen there. Sometimes God sends you directly to there. And we say, but God, I feel like you're so distant. And God's like, I'm teaching you something. My son Anderson, when he was little, he, we, we, I remember putting him to bed. And uh, he would say, Dad, Dad, can I have a glass of water? I'm like, oh, sure, I'll go get you a glass of water, give him a kiss, leave the door. Two seconds later, Dad, 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 Dad. Come back in. What is it, Anderson? Dad, can I have my stuffed animal? Okay, Anderson, I'll get you your stuffed animal. Here's your water. Okay, you're good, you're good. Okay, perfect. Close the door, and then leave the room. A few minutes later, dad, 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 dad. Go back in there. Anderson, are, are, are you okay? Yeah, I just need you to turn the light on a little bit. Okay, so I turn the light on a little bit. You got your stuffed animal, you got your water. Perfect, good, good. Close the door, leave. Two seconds later, dad, 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 dad. I'm a rookie at this point. Now I have four kids. I ain't doing that four times. <laughs> Open the door. Addison, you okay? Dad, I, need, I, I, I just need a hug. So I give him a hug, leave the room, close the door. Again, dad, 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 dad. In this moment, I'm not, I'm not going in there. I, I'm going to wait. Dad, dad, do you care? I remember, I remember this one. This is a quote. Do you love me anymore? <laughs> quote. Anderson James Cole Browett. Quote. Dad, then he switches because he gets desperate. Mom! <laughs> Calls his older sister, Bronwyn, anybody? He just started just start calling out names. And God spoke to my heart. He says, this is so you. This is so you. The minute, the minute I don't answer, you start freaking out. Do you even care, God? Do you even love me anymore? 
start calling out anywhere because you start getting desperate. Mom! Anybody? Anybody who would listen to me? It was so uncomfortable with the silence. I'll never forget what God told me that night. He said, Adam, all of Anderson's needs are met. But Anderson needs his sleep. He's uncomfortable, but he needs sleep. Let him sleep. And sometimes we're uncomfortable and we're waiting for God to rescue us. We're waiting for God to get us out of there. But the very thing he's trying to do is teach us some lessons. Because could it be possible? Like, like, what if? What if the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who put the stars in the sky, the one who spun our orbit into motion, the one who pulled up the mountains, the one who poured out the waters, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, that Jesus, what if he knows what you need more than you do? What if? What if? And so, so our, our, our text starts with there. God sends Jesus into the wilderness. And so we write ourselves a little note. So we remember, next time we're feeling alone. <laughs> Dear self, don't confuse the wilderness with punishment. Check. Okay, feeling better. Verse 13. No, verse 3. <laughs> no, verse 2. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Such a fascinating detail that, they, that, that, the, that, that Matthew put in there. So for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus got hungry. And at first glance, you think to yourself, well, duh. Like, that, obviously he got hungry. But there's something fascinating about that. Because when you get hungry, you start to, who's ever been hungry? You get crazy. Who's ever been pregnant and hungry? You get, like, super crazy. Like, like Tyrannosaurus Rex crazy. Like, I'm not sure I advise talking to a pregnant woman when they're hungry. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Hangry is a thing. It's in the Bible. No, it's not. But, but, but for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became hungry. And I think it's a very important detail in there. Because when we're, when we're hungry, we're a little bit more vulnerable. When we're hungry, we're, 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 we're irritable. When we're hungry, things change. When we're hungry, everything that comes easy and normal that to our everyday life, when we're hungry, things, things begin to shift. So, so, dear self, this is number two. Don't underestimate your vulnerabilities. Because when we're alone, and when we feel like we're alone, and it feels like God is a million miles away, we can get vulnerable. We're all vulnerable. Jesus was vulnerable. He got hungry. We get hungry. But don't underestimate them. Why? Why would I not underestimate them? Why are you talking about this, Adam? Who, who really cares? It's not that big of a deal. But what if it is? You see, when I read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Stay alert. It says, Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And it, and it paints this very vivid, almost gruesome picture of how the enemy works. But you need to understand something about the devil. You see, the devil is an opportunist. And he's just going to wait till you get vulnerable. He's not going to have to think of some creative way to seduce you into sin. Oh, you struggle with pornography? Oh, you, you think you've battled, but you've won that? Oh, you're feeling alone? Check this out. Oh, oh, oh you struggle with self-image? Look at this person. Oh, 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 you struggle with unforgiveness? 
Well, here, why don't you play with this one for a bit? And the devil, he knows our weaknesses. He doesn't have to get creative. He, 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 he's going to use your vices that you already have. And when we're, when we're feeling alone, when we're feeling abandoned, oftentimes what ends up happening when I meet Christians, what we, we, we let our guards down. We start praying prayers that sound a whole lot like, God, where are you? Do you even care? Well, I guess he doesn't care. Who cares? I don't care. And you find yourself stepping into this pattern of sin. And you look back and you say, how did, how did I get there? And it wasn't some, some crazy plot to, to mess you up. But it was just subtle. Subtle little vices. Your vulnerabilities that are already there. That we need to be aware of. Because the devil sucks. And he's going to try and destroy you. So it continues on. Well, during that time, the devil, lame devil, came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, well, why don't you tell these stones to become loaves of bread? Which is very interesting. Because you've got to remember, it just said, Well, here's Jesus. He's been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. What's the devil's go-to move? He's hungry. Let's use his vice. He's hungry. I, I, I got a way in there right now. I got, he's got a vulnerability. I know what I'm going to tempt him with. Not something obscure. Here's, here's some Ponzi scheme, Jesus. Why don't you fall to this temptation? No. He's hungry. So he's going to use this subtle vulnerability. And say, hey, Jesus, why don't you turn these rocks into sandwiches? But Jesus told him, No. For the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's a very fascinating turn of events here. And this is what I want you to write down. Dear self, don't do what you shouldn't just because you can. Because it's not like Jesus couldn't turn these rocks into bread. He did it before. Let's look at Matthew chapter 14. Or, or he's going to do it. He has the ability. He hadn't done it yet, but he's going to do it. It says this. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples. And the disciples distributed them amongst the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Well, 5,000 men and women were fed that day. God... Jesus has the ability to turn rocks into bread. It's not like he's tempting me to do that. I don't know how to turn rocks into bread. But Jesus does. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And, and at first glance, we're like, well, obviously, Adam. It's so obvious. But when we get vulnerable, when we step into those wilderness seasons, when we feel like nobody's looking, when we feel isolated and alone, I, I, don't need to, I don't need to peer into your life to know how humans are wired. We start doing stupid stuff. And we start to do things that we know we shouldn't, but we do it just because we can think we can get away with it. Or we just stop caring. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. So the story continues. And then the devil took him to this holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, well, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, 
he will order his angels to protect you. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't hurt your foot on a stone. You see, this is what I find interesting. In the wilderness, we get desperate. And when we get desperate, we get hungry. And when we get hungry, everything begins to look appetizing. Like if you've ever met somebody who is hungry, hungry. I used to work at the mustard seed. And I met a guy who, who just before coming to dinner at the mustard seed, had went into the KFC dumpster and filled up on raw chicken from the dumpster. Like when you're hungry, low-hanging fruit starts to look delicious. Your standards start to, start to, start to shift. When you're feeling alone and you're, you're, you're super vulnerable, you start to just, just to reach, to try, just to try to find anything that'll feed you. And so we start to look at the Bible. And we start to grab any kind of scripture just to make ourselves feel better. You see, it's fascinating. The devil didn't just say, hey, why don't you just go jump off a cliff and die? <laughs> and so the devil tries to quote scripture at Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not what that means. Dear self, write it down. Don't follow scripture without context. Yourself, don't follow scripture without context because when we start getting desperate, everything starts to look appetizing. And I've seen good men, good women justify the most vilest things using scripture. You think, what? How? How? How, how, do, you, how do you do that? Well, it's the devil's specialty distortion if he can just distort things a little bit if he can just distract you just enough if he can just he doesn't have to do it like a full job he can let us do some of the damage ourselves if he can just if he can just get in there just a little bit and divide you then he wins and he separates you and you feel even more alone and more isolated and you lose and continues on verse 7 Jesus responded, this, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. The scriptures also say, devil, you must not test the Lord your God. So get into your word. I, I, there is a biblical illiteracy epidemic in our world where we are okay to listen to sermons and call that Bible study. Don't just listen to what I say. Get into this book. I, I am trying desperately to get my t- children to fall in love with this book. We, we, we're, we're lazy as humans. It's, it, and and, and, and it, media makes it hard. The internet makes it hard. We have access to so many great teachers. And, and sermons and preachers and teachers are fabulous. But get into the word. God didn't leave you preachers to grow and learn about who he is. He left you a book. He didn't leave you several podcasts and say, hey, figure out the future of the church world. <laughs> so here, here's the Bible. Figure it out. Read it. Apply it to your life, and you'll be surprised how, how impactful or how relevant it is. It always fascinates me, and it's not pointing the finger at other people. It's pointing at myself. When I feel alone and isolated, it, it, it surprises me how quickly I assume this book is irrelevant. And I'm like, oh, I feel so lame. I feel like such a loser. I feel so overdone, overpowered. I'm burnt out. And Shandy's like, well, how's your devotions going? 
Shut up, Shandy. <laughs> you know? Why would I read my devotions? What's the Bible going to tell me? I feel like a loser. And it's amazing how clouded we get. And we laugh because we're like, oh, shoot, that's totally me. I totally do that. We do it all the time. It's not supposed to be like that. This book is life-giving. This, this book is, is it's awesome. So verse, verse 8. Next to the devil, he, he took him to the peak of a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he says, hey, psst, I will give it all to you if you'll just kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus tells him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and only serve him. Number five, dear self, don't be seduced by shortcuts. We love shortcuts. I love shortcuts. Anything that will get me from point A to point B faster, the better I feel. When you have a van full of four children screaming and fighting in the back seat, you're praying to the good Lord for shortcuts. But not in this scenario. <laughs> Dear self, don't be seduced by shortcuts. See, the devil's a con man. He's a con man. And he's going to do everything he can to convince you to try and find shortcuts. But there's no shortcuts in life. There's no influence without investment. And we want influence. We want platform. We want prestige. We want Twitter followers. We want people to follow us and watch us. We want Instagram likes. There's no, there's no influence without investment. There's no kingdom without a cross. There's no kingdom without a cross. Kingdom without a cross, I don't want anything to do with that. Cross takes sacrifice. Cross takes death. I read the funniest meme, side note. Like, literally funniest meme ever. So funny that I almost shouldn't even share it with you. Like it was borderline not funny, but it was pretty funny. It said this. So Jesus gave your life for my sins, which we would all agree with. Jesus gave his life for our sins, totally. But he died and rose again after three days. So technically, he gave a weekend for our sins, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Um, and it was talking about how Jesus gave his long weekend for your sins. And I was like, oh, wow, interesting way to put that. And uh, that's not in the Bible. Not like that. That, that meme's not real. Uh, Jesus died for your sins, died, died, and uh, even though he rose again, but it, it's kind of funny. And so, side note, I'll bring it back now. So don't be seduced by shortcuts. And, and, and I, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, when you're feeling alone, and when you're feeling isolated from community, and when you're feeling by yourself, you'll do almost anything for acceptance. You'll do almost anything to get back to where you thought you once were. And you'll do almost anything to get out of that pit. And all of a sudden, the most logical things that you would never in a million years even consider doing, all of a sudden become very tempting and become option, it was maybe option Z at one point. But all of a sudden, under the right circumstance, it becomes option A. And you're thinking to yourself, how on earth did I even think that possible? But when we start to find ourselves in those wilderness spots... Shortcuts become extraordinarily seductive. And there's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. 
Some things, like there, there's a reason why, why God uses, so, or the Bible uses so many death analogies for Christianity. This whole idea of dying to self. This idea of picking up your cross daily. These are not fluttery, beautiful, pretty little pictures called shortcuts. No. It's hard stuff. And when we start to feel isolated and alone, we start, we start grabbing at false things. We start grabbing doctrines that feel good. We start grabbing sermons that make us feel better. We start reading the Bible to make us feel like a better person. And the Bible doesn't exist to make you feel like a better person. Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people alive. That's a big deal. And when we get that into our heart, and we get that into our understanding of how God works, things change. Number six, moving on, verse 11. Then the devil went away. And what's fascinating is this next piece. So the devil goes away, then angels came and took care of Jesus. But Jesus is Jesus. It's like Jesus, Jesus, super Jesus. He's, a, he's the one who put the stars in the sky. Like, he was there in part of creation. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Why, why, why does he need help? Why? Because there's something valuable about, valuable about community. Dear self, last one, number six. Don't be a lone ranger. Even Jesus needed supernatural assistance. When he was in the wilderness. God didn't just leave him there to fend for himself. And say screw you. Figure it out on your own. Jesus. But after the devil left. Angels came and they attended him. And all of a sudden. All of a sudden things are different. And it surprises me how sometimes. We feel as though. We are good enough to get ourselves out of this pit. We feel that we are strong enough to overcome this mountain by ourselves. Like, the world doesn't need more leaders. And we don't. The Christian church does not need more leaders. And this is, sounds very counterintuitive. But please remember this. The church doesn't need more leaders. The church needs more followers. People who will follow Jesus and listen to him and do what he says no matter what. Like, leadership, I think, is completely overrated. It's fabulous. It's very important. I read leadership books all the time. But don't get, don't get, don't get things askew. Don't, don't mess things up. Don't mix up those priorities. God doesn't need more leaders. He created the heavens and the earth. The local church is his idea. Like, it's his rescue plan for humanity. It, it, it's God. God can do anything. He, he doesn't need leaders. What he needs is followers. He needs people who will listen to Jesus and do what he says no matter what. He needs men and women of God, people of resurgence, people from different churches all across this city to rise up and say, devil, enough. I'm going to stop fighting for the, the name on the back of my jersey and play for the name on the front of the jersey. No more of this divided churches. My church did this. My church did that. I was talking to some unsaved people. They're my favorite people in the world. And we're talking about the church. And we're talking about how, how the church is so competitive. And this is their view. Not even Christians. Like, you, you Christians, you're so competitive with each other. You just always try to outdo each other. And I was like, ouch! Like, you don't even go to church and you have a pretty good read on how it is. 
Like, the church down the block is not your competition. Like, you shouldn't, like, we shouldn't feel jealous when another church does well. And we shouldn't secretly cheer when a church doesn't. Like, we're on the same team. You want to know who our competition is? Drug dealers. That's our competition. Our competition is stinking Netflix. Our competition is the enemy. Our competition is distraction. Our competition is the, is the dark things of this world. This isn't a, like a flesh and blood battle. The enemy's done a fabulous job. You know what he did? He turned all the soldiers against each other. That's why I get so encouraged with resurgence. I get so encouraged to see so many churches represented. So many people from different walks of life. So many people, both men and women. So many people from different ages. John Kivel, you're upping our average. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and, and I love that. Diversity is divine. Division is demonic. And we need more diversity in the church. And so, so, so I'm going to end with this. If you find yourself in the wilderness, or at some point when you do find yourself in the wilderness, this is what you need to remember. Number one, dear self, don't confuse the wilderness with punishment. Number two, dear self, don't underestimate your vulnerabilities. Number three, dear self, don't, don't, don't do what you shouldn't just because you can. Number four, dear self, don't follow scripture without context. Number five, dear self, don't be seduced by shortcuts. Number six, dear self, don't be a lone ranger. Can I invite the band to come up? And uh, we'll end, end with some time of worship together. I, I, I don't know where you're at. But the Lord put a couple things on my heart for tonight. And, uh, you know, a couple things I want you to know. Your greatest days are ahead of you. Your greatest days are ahead of you. Your past doesn't have to be your future. It is, it is entirely possible that God brought you here tonight for, 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 for such a reason as this. To remind you that you're not alone. See, Christianity, as beautiful as you guys are, you have some of the greatest worship faces, Mr. Daniel. I watched you, I was like, whoa, he's going in. He's going, he is, he is like touching the Lord right now. Look at that face. Mm. <laughs> Let's just take a moment and look at the fact that the drummer is drumming from behind the screen also. <laughs> that, that takes talent. You are a blessed man. You are a blessed man. But let's not forget, everyday Christianity doesn't look like this. We celebrate these moments and we, and we enjoy these moments together. But everyday Christianity applies when everything is falling apart. And if you're in that season right now where it feels like everything is falling apart, what we're going to do tonight is, let's maybe do this. Can we all stand together? And if you're in that season where you feel like things are falling apart, you're feeling crushed on all sides, you're feeling alone, you're feeling abandoned, perhaps you've been in this season where you're praying and you're saying, God, where are you? Um, can I invite you? I would love to pray for you tonight. And I'm sure there's other prayer people that would, that would love to pray with you. But I, I would love to pray for you. Because I, 
I've been where you are. And it sucks. I get it. I had like the worst summer this year. The worst. I actually never thought in a million years that I could feel depressed. Like I was rocking life. And I hit, I don't know if I was just tired or just started burning out, but I got so low. Where I, I felt like a fraud because I would preach my heart out. And I'd go home and not even want to get up off the couch. And, and, and like, I thought everything was fine. And I was talking to my wife. She said, like, I miss the old Adam. And I thought to myself, how did I get here? And it was in that season where God spoke to my heart. I said, Adam, don't give up. I went to Vancouver Island this summer and a good close friend of mine was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And I went back and I spent some time with him. And when I was driving to pick him up, to go visit him, I felt like God tell me, now you can disagree with me, I don't really care. I felt like God tell me to go take him to go get a tattoo. <laughs> and this is, this is the context. He's covered in tattoos. But I looked at him. And I thought, he's never going to be able to do this ever again. The only thing we ever talked about was tattoos. I said, I'm, I'm going to break him out of the hospital. We're going to get a tattoo. <laughs> so I did. And uh, he's a big guy. He's paralyzed in the half of his body. Get him into this wheelchair. Phoned all around trying to find places that did tattoos with wheelchair access. Big places that do walk-ins. And I remember driving with him. driving, rolling Andrew. Andrew and uh, we found this place. I was like, what, what are you going to get on your, tattoo, on your, on your hand? I said, oh, we get, never give up. I said, oh, that's awesome. And uh, so I got the same thing on my hand. And it's funny because I put it on my watch so I can be a Christian and nobody know. <laughs> and I got it right there. I said, never give up. And so when you get a tattoo, you get this bandage on your hand. And I was walking out of the tattoo parlor and he said, oh, you got uh, suicide bandages. And I was like, ah. Oh. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, oh no. I just got a tattoo on my wrist. This is never give up. And it looks like I am suicidal. And I was like, I was thinking like, I was like, Shandy, like, like I went back and like, Shandy, I think I just made the biggest mistake of my life. People are gonna think that I, I am suicidal. In fact, and then they're gonna see this proof. I put never give up on my scar marks. And they're gonna think that's what happened. And then Shandy said, Adam, Adam. she's like, relax. You don't know who, who you're going to impact with that story. And I spoke at a camp the next week. There's this young lady who's been cutting her arms. She happened to see my hand and said, never give up. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is almost like for you. And a few months ago, you get, you get so low. And you start like Googling stuff. And you're Googling some pretty dark things. And I'm sitting there lying on my couch. Not that I was going to commit suicide, but I was low. And I heard, I heard it with my ears, like for reals. Hey! And I get up, and I'm looking around. I thought Shandy was there. There's nobody in the room. And I got this very timely video sent to our church Facebook account 
on, on how God wants to meet you where you're at. And if you're contemplating suicide, <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to help you. And I wasn't there. But I just thought it was so ironic that I'm feeling so low and I now have this tattoo on my hand. And it was in this season of darkness where I was able to hear God say, Adam, your past is meant to be your future. Adam, I got you. Adam, you're going to be fine. And as I was preparing for tonight, I believe me, that is not a story I wanted to share with you. <laughs> but I really felt God saying, there's people in this room who need to hear that. That even, <laughs> we glamorize this stuff. I just came from a camp, and I was speaking all weekend. I was, I was warming up my, my cheeseburger, frozen cheeseburger, on my heater in the truck, driving here so I can have some food in my stomach. There's nothing glamorous about this. We glamorize this stuff. We get this idea that everything's perfect all the time for pastors and worship leaders, but it's not. Real life is hard, but God is real, and he wants to meet you where you're at, and he wants to show you that he's a God of second chances. He wants to show you that he's a God where, where everybody is welcome. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're feeling. Like before you even acknowledged that he existed, he cared about you and he had a plan for you. And God wants to see you through it. And so tonight I want to pray with people and we'll have our band pray for people, or our team pray for people. But if you're in that low season, I want to encourage you. God's got a plan for you. And your greatest days are ahead. And, and, and whatever that means tonight, We'd love to pray with you. So would you bow your heads with me? And if you're not coming up, I want you just to spend some time with the Lord tonight. Ask yourself, God, why did you bring me here? <laughs> Help me to see myself the way you see me. Help me to see my next week the way you see my next week. God, use me in some kind of way. So Jesus, I just pray for each and every person in this room. Honest, broken, real people in this room. God, I pray that we would just break past the facade of trying to pretend things are fine. And that, Jesus, we would come to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We'd come to you as our source. We'd come to you for love. We'd come to you for purpose. That we come to you for value. That we'd stop lowering our standards and trying to find love in, with, with, with relationships or trying to find acceptance with, with compromising our standards. Jesus, we need you. This city needs us. This city needs to see a church that's unified. This city needs to see a church that is committed to the things of Christ. This city needs to see a church that doesn't just read the Bible, but lives the Bible everywhere it goes. This, Jesus, this city doesn't need more Bible studies. This city needs more Bible doings, where we'll go out and do the things that we're reading about, and that we're challenged on, that we're excited about. Father, I pray that you would help us to be that kind of people that we don't pretend to be it, that we honest and humbly come before you and say, Jesus, here I am, send me. So Father, I thank you for, for tonight. I thank you for what you're going to do in the hearts and lives of each and every one of the people that are represented. We give you this evening, and we pray that your will will be done. In your name we pray, amen. And so the band is going to play a song. If you'd like some prayer, we'd love to pray with you. If you'd like just to spend some time in worship, we'll do that, and then we'll pass it over to you guys. Thanks for having me.
Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.